It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olivia to DC, we break down, break it all down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. With your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. And welcome back to the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA on this Thursday afternoon. Rob Francis flying solo. Ed Dawson taking some time off. We'll be back on Monday. I want to give you a quick update. Uh, the overpass on Road 68 will be closed at least until 6 o'clock tonight as a result of that officer-involved shooting a little bit earlier uh, in the 3 o'clock hour. We'll bring you updates on that as we can, but do expect that overpass on Road 68 to be closed at least until 6 o'clock tonight as a result of the officer-involved shooting there in the 3 o'clock hour. I uh, want to welcome to the program Dr. Dean Hart. Dr. Hart is a microbiology expert, also a published author on the transmission of viruses and diseases, and for 25 years he taught as an associate research scientist and assistant professor at the Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons. Dr. Hart, welcome to the program. It's an honor to have you. Oh, it's great to be with you this evening. So, Dr. Hart, let's talk a little bit because a lot of the uh, a lot of people, particularly sports fans, have been looking forward to some element of normalcy. Even though Major League Baseball, the first sport to return, not doing it in what we would call a normal fashion, sports fans looked at it as something at least that they could use as a distraction from COVID. Well, the first weekend, guess what? We're back into it again as a Miami Marlins player uh, who was allowed to go to another city brings COVID back, the players decide that they want to play on Sunday, even though they knew some of them had the virus, now four teams affected by this. With seeing this and reading the news stories regarding COVID-19 impacting Major League Baseball already, is this an indication of how much easier this virus spreads than what some people may think? Oh, this virus is very pernicious. It's extremely contagious. We think one of the most contagious virus are, is measles because it becomes aerosolized. So you go in an elevator, you have the measles, you get out. 30 minutes later, somebody else walks into that elevator, if not three minutes, and you can get the measles transmitted that way, and it's not that hard. Uh, COVID is uh, up there rivaling the good old measles. It's very pernicious, but it's pretty darn deadly to seniors. And, Dr. Hart, as far as that's concerned, we know that that is one of the high-risk groups. We know that there are some other elements in there with high-risk groups. But most of the outbreaks, and, of course, here on the West Coast in Washington State, was where we saw the first cases and we saw the first real impact in assistant living centers and senior homes over in the Kirkland area where a number of those residents were infected and many of them passed away. When it comes to seniors, talk to us a little bit about why it is that they are so vulnerable to a disease like this. Well, our immune system in general heads towards senescence about the age of 40. What that means, along with everything else, it's all downhill after birth. But in general, what happens is we have very strong and high quantity of T cells, B cells, lymphocytes. Uh, We have plasma cells. There's all these things to take care of bugs that get in us. So when we're younger, these things are making very accurate antibodies to the antigen. They're knocking off the virus pretty well, the the, uh, people that are under 40. Now, 50 seems to be a point. Between 40 and 50, uh, you're not that senescent yet. So after 50 becomes a point at which 
uh, mortality becomes a factor, and especially when you have comorbidities, and who doesn't have high blood pressure at 75 years old? You could be having a great life, uh, but at 75 with high blood pressure, you don't have a good chance of surviving COVID. But that's not... Well, it's very relevant to sports in the sense, what do we do with the first and the third base coach, and what do we do with the managers in Major League Baseball? They're not typically the spring chickens and athletes that are on the field. We're talking with Dr. Dean Hart. He is a microbiologist and a published author on the transmission of virus and diseases here on The Bottom Line, News Radio 610 K1A. Now, Dr. Hart, uh, many people are frustrated around the country with COVID-19, with the different things that they have seen and heard. Uh, it seems every week, maybe even every other day, some direction is changing from medical professionals. Do you believe that the frustration that most Americans are feeling right now is a result of the fact they don't know who to believe and what to believe when it comes to COVID-19? And and what do you feel, where do you believe people can get the most reliable information regarding this? Okay. Now, politicians are the worst idea. They aren't scientists. The only one with the skill set to really take data crunch it are scientists in the public health arena, epidemiologists, microbiologists, maybe bioethicists, but there's certain groups of scientists. Now, hopefully they're not employed and not, don't get grants from the federal government that they have to feel any pressure. So what's happening is we're gathering more data. This was a novel virus, so nobody was ever exposed to it. Maybe it's, it's cousin in a cold was a coronavirus, but nobody has the immune system to this for all practical purposes. And as you're exposed to more of a novel thing, you have less data, and it takes a while to be able to speak the truth. Now, in one class I was sitting in, I heard somebody make a statement that the, the public has great faith in scientists in figuring out this, what's going on about something else other than COVID. But we scientists have great knowledge that we're not sure what the heck's going on, but we got to get the data, and then anybody can figure out what's going on. A scientist will pick out the information quicker and condense it and put statistics to it so you're pretty sure you're speaking properly. But we didn't have any data about this thing till oh, I got to say March is when they started collecting data. It was a mishmash between the World Health Organization, the Communist Party of China, and then it comes into the U.S., and uh, I wasn't impressed. We didn't even have protective garments. I believe they had given them out for the swine flu in 2009, so we didn't even have enough masks. So we're all collecting data and masks and like crazy. I think every American feels kind of frustrated. You know, Dr. Hart, I'm glad you brought up the, the early aspects of this because there have been a lot of fingers pointed at China, at the World Health Organization, and a lot of misinformation that came out, some some possible evidence that was destroyed, uh, some things that really could have helped other countries maybe get a little bit more of a head start on dealing with this virus than what they did. How much of that 
has and how much of that misinformation and the actions by China and the World Health Organization put the rest of the world really behind the eight ball in tackling this? You mentioned March, but really we could have been on this months earlier if not for those end arounds. Well, the actual timeline in communist China is beginning to get into society somewhere. It looks like November, but nobody had a clue. In December, you can see doctors chatting with other doctors in China to help protect their own fellow doctors. Uh, one guy became a hero, this ophthalmologist. First he's arrested, and then he's a hero, and then he dies. So, so the Chinese... You can't blame the Chinese because Americans would probably do the same thing for a month. You try to control it within your borders. But what happened is the World Health Organization, who's got our back and we're giving it money and does owe us something more than China owes us, the World Health Organization covers up. To me, it was conspiring and colluding with, with, with China to say, oh, don't close this airport. Oh, there's no human-to-human transmission when clearly families were all getting it together. There's no doctor-to-patient uh, uh, transmission or vice versa, patient-to-doctor. And they were lying. And somewhere late in January, they got out of the clouds when everybody knew it was a pandemic and then they declared, I guess, in February. So there was a mishmash. But at the same time, in the United States, we aren't idiots. We have people in China telling us there's this thing going around and the outcome isn't so pretty. And, and they would, So we knew. So we were developing um, tests. The FDA was competing with the uh, CMCS Medicare, who was competing with the CDC. Oh, they were all competing for the tests. So that became a catastrophe at our end. And then we didn't have... And then, our president noticed the past president didn't replace all the protective garments that were around. So now you're spraying like crazy because there's no masks and doctors are getting the disease here because you can't change your gloves every patient like you're supposed to. And there's all sorts of protective garments that we built it up. We, we, we were no superstars. China was pretty klutzy, but I, I'm very unhappy with the World Health Organization bias. That's a big deal. U.S. will be U.S. The Chinese will be the Chinese. That's the national powers. But the World Health Organization is supposed to have our back as citizens. We're talking with Dr. Dean Hart, an expert in microbiology and a published author on the transmission of viruses and diseases. Uh, Dr. Hart, we've talked a lot about the the lead up to this, but we also know there are some positive things on the horizon, at least what we're hearing. Two separate studies regarding a vaccine are in the works with 30,000 people in each study. Uh, we have heard about different uh, antibody treatments being developed as well as different medications uh, that are being tried. What are some of the positives that you have seen uh, in dealing with COVID-19, and what do you ultimately think it's going to take for us to be able to return to normal? Because, for one, I refuse to accept the new normal. I think we will get back to normal. What do you think it's going to take for us to do that? Well, uh, the, the current normal has no real socialization. And from the elderly, uh, productive aging requires socialization all the time. And children to grow up into adults requires socialization. We cannot accept this. But you brought up the idea of a vaccine. My hunch is we will get a vaccine that will work pretty good for a certain amount of time. But 
the safety will cannot be tested in the time frame people are recommending turning it around. But every citizen is going to know it came from right now. They're just talking about it. Maybe in four months there'll be something you can take. Is a citizen going to really be willing to inject that into their body because there's no long-term studies in mammals of the effect of this vaccine, especially if it's messenger RNA? So some people will be daredevils, and then we'll learn. We'll get, we'll get a vaccine, and it'll improve over time. The polio vaccine first wasn't the greatest, and then it improved over time. It was oral. Now it's injection. Most of the world uses gets injections now. Uh, so vaccines will mature. It's not a question, will we get it or a cure? Whereas HIV, this was a cure pretty much. Uh, there was never a vaccine. Ebola... Actually, the World Health Organization did well with Ebola, I think. But um, so they're not all bad. <laughs> but with vaccines, treatments, we're getting better at treating a very sick person. Intubation is not the primary way to go. We have things like dexamethasone that has come out. And I've seen very good results when you get really sick using dexamethasone. And then a few children, a very rare condition called Kawasaki-like disease, very rare children, they use the steroid too because it's an antibody, a cytokine storm, an overreaction by your immune system. Um, so we're getting better at it. Um, certainly, Remdesivir has a little effect. Is this, that's a new thing. That it was actually developed for Ebola, and it never got around to Ebola. We were able to cure it other ways. But remdesivir seems to have some positive effect. That's methasone, uh, antibiotics. Uh, don't ask me about hydrochloros, uh, the, the quinine derivative, because the data that I've seen from that is a mess. As a scientist, you don't want to go near the quinine derivative. It's called Plaquenil. We use use it for lupus and it's a marvelous drug for lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. Don't ask me if it works for this one. That's been a political thing. No, no question about that. We're talking with Dr. Dean Hart. Uh, For 25 years, Dr. Hart taught as an associate research scientist and assistant professor at the Columbia University of College of Physicians and Surgeons. But, Dr. Hart, I want to get back to the the question regarding uh, medical professionals and whether it's doctors, whether it's scientists. We have seen different groups in that field coming out and saying 180-degree things regarding COVID-19 and and it's, it's, it's... potency, its mortality rate. Um, There have been a lot of accusations about social media as far as censoring some groups of doctors versus others. When you see this within the medical community that you have such polar opposite takes, now we know that that science, you know, isn't 100%. There's always advances in science. There's always differences that occur. And, and, and sure. absolutely, there's always differences that occur. There's always somebody that takes a theory in another direction and, and believes that the science may be faulty here. But when you see the, the polar opposite approach by those in the medical profession to talking about this and putting out information publicly, what do you say to people that are trying to get some semblance of information and sanity when they see the medical community at opposite ends of this? Well, hold it now. 
I deal with my colleagues a lot. Almost everybody is on identical pages on this thing. Comorbidity and age, that kills you if you're 80. We're on the same page. Masks, if you have COVID, and we can't tell who has COVID because some are asymptomatic and we can't test everybody yet. Uh, masks will block COVID from getting out of your face, be it through the nose or through the uh, yelling or sneezing or coughing. We know masks work for the COVID-positive patients. And if you hear 99 out of 100 doctors say this and one guy says it doesn't work, you got to understand there's always somebody that's in every profession, be it the radio or TV or doctoring. Or, uh, there's always people that are unique and have a unique outlook. I guess his, what I heard about masks don't do anything. I guess if you tell me a patient had COVID, they recovered, you tested them for the antibody, they have the antibody, and they test negative for COVID now. Does a mask do anything in that one particular case? You could argue you don't need a mask then. But that is so far from what we can do with patients right now because first you got to test them, you got to follow them. There will be a point at which we'll know masks aren't necessary for certain people, but Goodness, it definitely is a great thing now because we're still lacking in data. And I don't know we'll be able to pinpoint the people that are not at risk from contracting COVID because we don't know about reinfections yet. One of the key pieces of data that I mentioned, we love love data, we scientists and clinicians are generally clinical scientists but they are do, do some more marketing than a general scientist. Um, we need the data for the reinfection rate. I haven't seen it. And I, most people that get COVID get the antibody, and I don't know if, how long it takes before you get reinfected or if the virus has to mutate tremendously or a little because we're not seeing much reinfection. Dr. Hart, do you recall in all of your years seeing so much uh, skepticism, so much turmoil, so much contradiction regarding um, a virus like this? It doesn't seem going back to 2009 and the swine flu that there was this much around it. Uh, What do you think is contributing other than is there something other than politics? Let me put it that way. That is contributing to all of the all of the different directions and the and the different feelings that people have regarding this. Well, there's a prejudice called ageism. And the feeling is if you've lived seventy five years, you've lived a good life. If COVID kills you, then you've lived a good life. So now that's a horrible thing. That's a beautiful time in most people's lives, being 75 and taking a blood pressure medicine. COVID has the ability, a very high mortality rate for that particular, especially if they're male. A male 75 with hypertension and not even diabetes, just the hypertension and a bit chubby, he has he has a very high chance of death for this. So this is a very emotional thing. A 75-year-old, I think the presidents are 75 these days. That's like you're still at work. 
Dr. Dean Hart, microbiologist and published author on the transmission of viruses and diseases, also an associate research scientist for a quarter century and assistant professor at the Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons. We appreciate your time and your knowledge this afternoon, sir. Be safe and be well. Thank you. Oh, great to be with you. We're going to take a quick time out here on the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Come back. We're going to talk a little bit about one of the funny things that you have in the political season. It's called endorsements. And the Seattle Times put theirs out today. But if you read it, you wouldn't really know if they were actually endorsing somebody or if they were trying to tell you that this is the... Lesser evil. Hook up with the bottom line on Twitter at bottom line 610. Now back to the show presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Back on the bottom line news radio 610 KONA 5471610 is the number if you would like to get involved. Make sure you swing by to your good friends at Perfection Tire if you're planning on hitting the road for anything over the next few weeks. Look, they do more than just tires. In fact, they do brakes. They will make sure that everything that you have is working exactly the way it should. They'll give you the up and down on everything. They're locally owned and operated. They have been here for decades. They treat every customer like family. Perfection Tire, their name says it all. Visit their website, perfectiontire.com. Calm. Going right to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610 K1A. What's your name? Where are you calling from? I'm Kathy. What's on your mind, Kathy? Oh, I'll tell you. I am so upset with this. Uh, Okay, I'll be right up front. I voted for Culp. I have had two phone calls now in the last two days. In fact, this one I just got five minutes ago. The first one had a 253 area code. This one said it was from my daughter. So I answered it. Both calls have had, the first one just had two words, or three words, child molester cult. This second call was like it was on some news deal, and they're reporting that cult has not answered the questions about whether he asked the girl three times whether she uh, was lying and all this crap, and it was on my daughter's number. This has got to stop. Well, I'll tell you what, the cloners are very sophisticated when they get numbers and they turn around, and that's how they make you answer them. They make it look like they're numbers that are either in your area code or numbers of people that you know. Uh, The best way to do that is make sure you copy those numbers down and report them to the Attorney General's office and let them know these were cloned phone numbers. Is there any way, write down the time, and so on and so forth, that you receive them? Maybe they'll be able to trace them. Well, I don't know, because one, when I called it back, I had the phone number, and it said it was no longer a working number. That was yesterday. So this is what's going on in this campaign, and this is bull. Oh, I know. It absolutely is. It, it sounds like a lot of dirty pool there, Kathy, and we appreciate the call. Uh, a lot of people have been receiving phone calls that have been cloned, and it's it's another method uh, that they have used in order to try and get people to answer uh, and be able to get messages out. And, and yeah, it's unfortunate to hear uh, that someone has decided to sink low enough to do uh, really dirty politics in that regard. Five four seven one six ten. if you would like to get involved in the program. And as we alluded to a little bit earlier, um, the Seattle Times has put out their endorsement for governor. And, <clears throat> excuse me, they decided to endorse uh, 
Three guesses. Three guesses who they decided to endorse. Yeah, you didn't need the first two guesses, did you? Of course. They decided to endorse Dear Leader. But the way they wrote their endorsement, you're you're thinking to yourself, why did you bother? I, I mean, look, I am not... And, and I don't believe media should endorse anyone. I do not believe the media should be standing behind and endorsing any politician, <clears throat> excuse me, in any way, shape, or form. I don't think it's the role of the media in order to do that, but that's just me. There are others that disagree uh, with that. But they cited all of the issues that Jay Inslee has had in the eight years that he has been in office already, the DOC scandal, costing Western State Hospital all that money at the federal level, kowtowing to special interests in labor unions, the ESD scandal, all of these issues, they cite in this endorsement, and then they turn around and say, But we need Jay Inslee's leadership now more than ever as he has stepped up to the plate during the COVID-19 pandemic and he has shown strong leadership. I think there's a heck of a lot of people out there that would disagree with the Seattle Times that Jay Inslee has shown strong leadership in this pandemic. He has had moments where he has made salient decisions. But overall, has Jay Inslee shown that kind of leadership. Overall, has he shown that kind of leadership? And here, here is what the Times said specifically regarding the first two terms. This is a quote from the Seattle Times editorial board. Inslee's first two terms as governor are marred by severe problems, including scandalous mismanagement of prisons and the state's mental health system and by kowtowing to labor union backers. The state's inexcusable struggles to sort everyone's unemployment assistance and inadequate explanation of employment security division decisions that left the state vulnerable to massive fraud fall on Inslee as Washington's chief executive. He also spent much of 2019 chasing another job, a long-shot presidential bid that cost state taxpayers more than $600,000 in additional security costs. So let me put this question out there. You just ran down, and I'll, I'll take the last paragraph out. We'll take the presidential race out because he, he will not be running in 2024. His utter horrid showing in 2020 is enough to believe that he will not even attempt to run in 2024. In two paragraphs, you just described why he does not deserve another four years in the governor's mansion in Olympia. Does the Seattle Times actually think for a second that because they decided to turn around, put on the chapstick and pucker up regarding COVID-19 and some of the decisions that Inslee's made, that the other stuff is going to miraculously disappear and not reappear in the next four years? Do they really believe that he will not kowtow to labor union backers in the next four years? Do they really think the mismanagement of the prison system is going to get better? And if you ask anyone that works in the prison system, 
whether it's at Walla Walla, whether it's Coyote Ridge, whether it's a prison on the west side of the state, be prepared for some stories, some real stories about how bad, how badly mismanaged the system is. Do you really think that's going to change? Do you think the state's mental health system is really going to improve under dear leader? Do you really think the cronyism that he has displayed in putting people in positions of authority in his administration, overseeing agencies, is going to get better? Do you really think you're going to get a solution and real answers to what happened at ESD? If you think the answer is yes, you are mistaken. Here's the other aspect of this. There are more people that have had issues. Oh, and by the way, they didn't even touch on Chop and Chaz. And Inslee basically sitting back in his chair with his arms crossed watching Seattle eat itself alive in what's happened over the last few months there. They didn't even touch on that, his lack of action there. They left that completely out of it. And then as they went down to the main challengers and they talked about Raul Garcia and they talked about Lauren Culp and they talked about Tim Iman and they talked about Josh Freed. They couldn't find a positive thing to say about either of them. So the only positive thing they found to say about Inslee was how they feel he rose to the challenge in the pandemic. Rose to the challenge. This ongoing crisis demands an experienced administrator. There are others running for governor that are experienced administrators and might actually do a better job handling the pandemic than him. But that's how they had to save face, because they couldn't endorse a Republican. Seattle, the Seattle Times would have endorsed a Republican. They would have been the next target of the protesters and the rioters. They would have been the next target if they would have endorsed somebody other than Jay Inslee. This is why media endorsements are garbage. It's why we will never endorse a candidate on this program or on this radio station. We will not endorse a candidate. Because it is not up to us to tell you who to vote for. The Seattle Times, newspapers have done it for centuries. And if you go back to the history of the media getting involved in endorsements, why was that? Well, it's because they figured if they endorsed the candidate, well, they did it for selfish reasons. Going all the way back to the 1800s, and you go back to the territories and media endorsing candidates that were going to be able to provide things that they were looking for, that they lobbied for, that they would write in their newspapers that they wanted to see happen, they would endorse candidates that would follow that mantra. It's been going on that way for centuries. The Seattle Times lambasted Jay Inslee's first eight years, and then they endorsed him. Why is that? Because they couldn't bring themselves to endorse someone else. And as we said earlier, there are some things that the governor did at the beginning of this that were practical and pragmatic. But then when it came to actually having to make the hard decisions, the governor has failed more times than he has succeeded. He has failed more times than he has succeeded when it has come to making decisions 
8.8 billion of them. Inequities exist in the economy because of decisions that he made. He picked winners over losers economically. You didn't see a single union get touched in any of the decisions he made. No, he went after private industry. It began with the decisions on on construction. This construction can continue, but this construction can't? Well, why is that? Hmm. Then when you lifted the veil a little bit, you saw why. And if you take it a step further, which the Seattle Times did not do, it took industry themselves to put plans together, present them to the governor and his team, because he wasn't doing the heavy lifting, He wasn't coming up with ways to get the economy back going. He wasn't investing the time and effort to turn around and figure out how we could get different sectors of the economy back and running, how we can get the auto industry back and going, how we could get residential construction up and going, how we could get new construction back and running, how we could get barbershops and hair salons going. No, he wasn't doing any of that. The industries themselves had to take the lead, put these plans together, put in the governor's desk, let him sit on it for a while before he decided to get to it, and then finally decide, hey, okay, this looks good enough. The industries had to take the lead. Yes, that is an effective leader. That is a fantastic administrator, Seattle Times. That is a tremendous administrator. That is the kind of leadership we're looking for. The guy that just sits back and lets everybody else do it for him. That's a leader, baby. Leading from the back. Leading from the rear. So the Seattle Times endorses Jay Inslee for governor. Based on nothing. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. Not based on nothing. Based on their perception of his strong leadership during the COVID-19 pandemic. They didn't touch on what's been going on in Seattle, left that completely alone, because after all, the governor could have used the National Guard, but he didn't. <clears throat> governor could have used the Washington State Patrol. He didn't. Just let it go. Summer of love. It was wonderful. It was great. It was a beautiful thing. Could have done that. Didn't. Scandal after scandal after scandal over eight years. And let's not forget the, the pen that he likes to wield with the line out in veto. Let's not forget that. Because that pen, well, that pen directly put Boeing in the sights of the World Trade Organization. That pen put Boeing directly in the sights of the World Trade Organization because he kowtowed to the unions. The $54 million that Western State Hospital lost was because of a line item veto to a piece of union. And let's not forget the snit that he had with the legislature where he said, I'm not happy with what you've done. I'm vetoing every bill that you've sent to me. He vetoes them, and the legislature turns around and says, yeah, we don't think so, and they overturned every single one of the vetoes. Yes, that's leadership. That's the kind of leadership we want for another four years. And you know what? It doesn't even have to be a Republican. There are Democrats I personally know I'd rather see in the governor's mansion than him. Would much rather see somebody other than him. I'd be willing to take a cardboard cutout instead of Jay Inslee at this point in time. Tax and spend. He's number 50. 
50 states. He is number 50 tax and spend governor in the United States of America. That's who they want to send back into the governor's mansion in Olympia because they don't have the courage to say, you know what, we've had enough. We need to go in another direction. Even with this pandemic going, we need to go in another direction. Jay Inslee doesn't have a single idea on how to get the economy back and going, and he proved it by relying on the industries themselves to bring plans forward to reopen their sectors. That's not strong leadership in any way, shape, or form. We're going to take a time out. Bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA. Final few minutes when we return. You have final thoughts, 547-1610. You can email us, bottomline610. Excuse me, 610-KONA.com. Bottom line page, your name, where you're listening, what you'd like to say. And we're on Twitter, at bottomline610. Paul to the bottomline610. You can download our free mobile app at the Google Play and at the Apple Stores. Give us your bottom line. Call 509-547-1610. Now, back to the show. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Final few minutes. Bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA Thursday afternoon. Contact Jason Hogan, American Family Insurance. Make sure you've got the absolute best coverage that you've got right now for auto, for home, for life, for small business, and for farm insurance. Jason Hogue with American Family Insurance, the only American certified, star certified rated agent with American Family Insurance in the Tri-Cities. Visit his website, jasonhogue.com. Going right to the phones, you're up on the bottom line. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Tom, I'm from Kennewick. What's on your mind? Well, I just want to let you know, I want to talk to you about the voter, the mail-in ballots. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Friend of mine lives in lives. He's a contractor out of Idaho. He has a uh, fifth wheel set up on my property, and he every he is everything he has is registered for Idaho, and he got a Washington mail in ballot form in the mail. Got an Idaho driver's license. Yep. Does he pay any utilities? Nope. <laughs> yep. You know, I'll tell you what. You might want to. You, I'd be interested. Grab that ballot and take it to the lo, take it to your local auditor and say, "How did this happen? How is he registered in Washington State?" It'll be an interesting well, answer that you get. Okay, I will do that. Now I'm, I'll call you back and let you know. Let us know. Absolutely, I'd love to know how that would work out. I'd, I'd be interested in hearing the answer from the auditor's office as to how a guy that doesn't have any register anything registered in Washington State got a ballot. Right. Take okay. care. I just, yeah, it's out there, man. Okay. Thanks Bye. for the call. Appreciate it. Going right back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610 K1A. Your name, where are you calling from? Uh, this is Ray from West Richland. What's on your mind? Hey, sorry if I'm asking kind of a redundant question here. I, I don't get to listen all, all, all the time you're on the air, but uh, who do you think is our best choice to unseat Bensley? I don't want my, waste, my uh, vote to go to waste. Well, I'll tell you what, and and I I appreciate the question, but I I I could not, in good conscience, tell you who to vote for because I don't believe that that is my position to do so. Uh, I do believe that there are five individuals that are running that have an opportunity to unseat Jay Inslee. I would encourage you to look up all the information that you can on Raul Garcia, on Joshua Freed, who will join us on the program tomorrow at 3.30. You'll get to hear from him directly. I encourage you to look up information on Tim Iman, on Senator Phil Fortunato, and on uh, 
Warren Culp, the police chief from Republic. Those are the five that seem to have the best opportunity to get out of the primary to take on Jay Inslee. But I can't. I would be violating my own ethical code if I told you who I thought the best person was to vote for, because I don't believe in influencing your vote. But I will tell you to look up those gentlemen on the uh, Secretary of State's website and glean all the information that you can regarding their candidacies and what they stand for. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 K1A. Your name, where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Jenny from from Richland. You were part of this reopen Washington, and you were pretty pretty upset about you know the newspaper media and, and Seattle Times, and and I totally agree with that. But you know what's making us look really really bad is Republicans in this area is this ranting and raving by this over and over and over. I I I would tell you right now we do not. I'm not going to give anybody an opportunity to go after a private citizen on this program. Um, I I appreciate your concern. I get that, but this is not the forum to do that. And if you have a if you have a beef with a private citizen in the Tri Cities, uh, I would suggest finding a way to take it up with that individual, but not on this program. Elected officials are one thing. People that are in public service are one thing. If you disagree with somebody on social media, please take that argument to them on social media. We're not going to go after private citizens here on this program. That's a line we're not going to cross. But I appreciate your phone call. Thank you very much for listening and appreciate your passion. But please address it with the individual. That'll do it for the bottom line. News Radio 610 KNA coming up. It is the afternoon report, all the day's news, and an update on what's going on in Road 68 with that officer involved shooting in Pasco. Stick around.